everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to Through the Bible with Les Feldick, an inspirational and informative half hour of insight into the heart of Scripture. In addition to teaching the Bible, Les is a full-time rancher, having a down-to-earth practical teaching style that makes the Bible come to life. All programs are available on audio tape, videotape, and in printed form. At the end of the program, there will be an address where you can contact the ministry. And now, here's Les Feldick with today's lesson. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All right, so as Adam in Adam all die, even so in Christ, remember the creator of everything, even so in Christ shall, what's the next word? All be made alive. Now that throws a curve at people. If they read carefully, they should say, well, now wait a minute. Are the lost going to be resurrected? Yes. That surprises people. Come back to John's Gospel. John's Gospel. The lost are going to be resurrected. They're not in their eternal state as yet. They're going to have to come out bodily to appear before the great white throne of Revelation 20 and then go to their eternal doom bodily with a body fit for the lake of fire, whereas we will have a body fit for glory. All right, now Jesus explains it himself so clearly in John's Gospel, chapter 5, and drop in at verse 28. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 28. Wait till you've all found it. John, chapter 5, verse 28. And Jesus says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Now, from that verse alone, we have people who teach, of course, a general resurrection of everybody, all at the same time. The saved and the lost. The saved go to their doom, and the, I mean, the saved go to their glory, and the lost go to their doom. Just about got that backwards, didn't I? But anyway, all that are in the graves are going to hear God's call to come forth. But, now let's be careful. Don't just read it that far and stop. They, verse 29, who have done good, and I'll put the verb back in, will come forth under the resurrection of life. They who have done evil will come forth unto the resurrection of condemnation. Now you have two distinct Groups of people who are going to be resurrected. All right, now if you just sit on John's Gospel alone, it would seem as though, yeah, it's all going to happen at the same time. The lost are resurrected and go to their doom. The saved are resurrected and go to their glory. Just one resurrection. All right, but now come back to 1 Corinthians 15 again. And see, that's why uh, Paul is the one that, that reveals so many things that the rest of Scripture doesn't even touch on. And that's why I can't understand why so many people today totally ignore Paul's epistles. Because it's in Paul alone that we find the true nature of the old Adam. 
Now, I know the Old Testament says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And uh, we certainly know that Jesus taught that the heart was wicked. But yet, it isn't until you get to Paul's writing that you get this understanding that this Adamic sin nature is inherited ever since Adam. It has just come down generation after generation. All right, now the same way with this, with this resurrection deal. There is more taught about resurrection, I think, in 1 Corinthians 15 than almost all the rest of the Bible put together. Now, we know the Old Testament people believed in resurrection. Job, for sure, said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and in the latter days shall stand upon the earth, and in my flesh I shall, what? See God. What was he talking about? Resurrection. David, after he'd lost the child to, to Bathsheba, after mourning for a whole week, what did he suddenly realize? He couldn't bring that child back, but what did he say? I'll go to him. And so what was he speaking of? Resurrection life, see? And But now, here Paul is going to just unload on us all the details of resurrection. All right, verse 23. Even though all are going to be resurrected, up in verse 22, and according to John 5, verse 23, the first word is what? But, see? And what am I always telling you? One of the biggest words in Scripture. Because this one little three-lettered word now opens up a whole vista that otherwise we would have never understood. That yes, there's going to be a resurrection of the saved, there's going to be a resurrection of the lost, but not all at once. But every man, lost or saved, in his own order, or I think a better word would have been company. And again, I always like to go back to the military. Those of you who have been in service, uh, we always understood the military chain of command. The smallest was the company, probably 100, 120 men. And from that, you went, and been so long since I've been in, I'm almost forgotten. From the company, we went to the uh, battalion, and from the battalion to the regiment, and the regiment on up until you get a division, and then so many divisions make an army. It was an organization. All right, now Paul is saying the same thing. Of all the people who have lived and died and are one day going to be resurrected, there's going to be an order in the resurrection so that every group will be in their specific company at resurrection. They're not all going to just come out like one great big group. All right, let's read on. Every man in his own company, Christ the firstfruits. We've already looked at where that came from. It gave us an inkling now that we can look at the resurrections much like Israel practiced her grain harvest. Because after all, what does God consider bringing human people unto himself? What does he call it? A harvest. See, in his earthly ministry, he says the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Now, that was, of course, just an analogy. And so it is. The human race has been harvested through the efforts of God, whether it's Old Testament or New. That doesn't make any difference. All right, so the implication now is that the whole harvest of mankind can be likened like the three sequences of Israel's harvest. First, the first fruits, the sampling of the early ripening grain, then the major harvest, and then the third part would be the corners and the gleanings. All right, now let's just analyze it a minute from, from a logical standpoint. 
Well, let me see first the first fruits. Come back with me to Matthew 27. I forgot to do that in the first half hour. We'll do it now. Matthew 27. At the time of the crucifixion, and we come down to verse 51 of Matthew 27. Christ, in verse 50, has just given up the ghost. He's died. Verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake, and the rocks rent, all in response to what had just happened up there on Calvary and his death. All of nature responded convulsively. And then we come to the next verse, verse 52, And the graves, that is, in the area of Jerusalem, the graves were opened, not all of them, but some of them, and many bodies of the saints. Now, remember, the saints of any age are the believers. Okay? In other words, your believing Israelites were of the company of the saints. Those who were believers during Christ's earthly ministry were saints. Those who believed during the Acts period are saints. Those of us who believe in the church period were saints. Those who are saved during the tribulation are going to be called saints. And so it's just an, an, a general term regarding those who are believers. So here we have a group of Jewish believers, because there certainly weren't enough Gentiles in that Old Testament economy to count. And so evidently these were Jewish believers who had been buried in the area of Jerusalem. And after, verse 53, and they came out of the graves after his resurrection. Now, that's an important verse. Because, you see, if they would have come out of the grave before Christ was resurrected, that would throw a kilter in the whole plan of God that Christ was the firstfruits of resurrection. He is the first to have ever been resurrected from the dead. Never had it happened before. But after he had been resurrected, then these others could come forth and to comprise what I now call that sheaf that was indicated in Leviticus. And it completes then the plural of the word firstfruits. Had Christ only come alone, then it would have to be he was the first fruit of resurrection. But it's not. The feast day of firstfruits was to take not just one stem of grain, but many who were all just sampling of the crop that was to come, and then they were brought together in a sheaf, and they were taken to the priest. Here is my offering of firstfruits. All right, so now I have to feel that these Jewish saints who were resurrected here right after Christ was comprise then that which we call the firstfruits. All right, now let's come back then to 1 Corinthians 15 once again. So now then, he says, every man, verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 15, every man is going to be resurrected within his company. In other words, church-age saints aren't going to be resurrected with the Old Testament saints. We certainly aren't going to be part of the first fruits because that's already happened. All right, so let's look at the harvest process as we saw it on the board in the last half hour. First, the first fruits were taken out as a sampling. Then they went in and took what? The main harvest, the main part of the field, all but the corners and the gleanings was harvested. And then that which was left was harvested last of all. 
Now, just stop and think for a moment. You know, we're in Oklahoma, and that's wheat country, at least in the western part of the state. When that wheat farmer has gone out and has harvested the main part of his fields, my, he can fill those bins with grain. Thousands and thousands of bushels. Now, if perchance he did leave the corners like they did then, how much would that be by comparison? Well, just a small, small fraction, see? Now, let's bring it into the spiritual realm. Christ in the first roots, that's accomplished. But now, where has been the largest number of people brought in in God's harvest? Old Testament or church age? Well, the church age, see? Because now go back into the Old Testament economy. The little nation of Israel never had more than probably 10 million people at the most. And only a few of them were true believers. You go back before the flood and there were precious few believers. By the time you got to the flood, only eight souls. So you see, even before the flood, there were very few that God could count on as His. Throughout the nation of Israel's history, very few Jews, percentage-wise, were believers. So there weren't many there. Even in Christ's earthly ministry, I like to point out, at least in the area of Jerusalem and Judea, how many believers were accumulated in the upper room there in Acts chapter 1? 120. 120. Shocking. That after three years of the Lord's own earthly ministry, there were only 120 Jewish believers, evidently. Now, there may have been a few up in the Galilee, I don't know, but in the area of Jerusalem, there must not have been any more than these 120. So, compared to the millions that have come in through the last 1900 years of the preaching of the gospel of grace, how many, I'll ask the question again, how many Old Testament believers were there? Very few. So what can we liken it to? The corners and the gleanings. So here's the order of resurrections. Repeat it again. The first fruits. Christ and those who came out of the grave. Then the harvest of the church. And we're going to look at that next. And then we still have the corners and the gleanings left, which I feel will be the tribulation saints who will be saved during the tribulation. Now come back with me to Daniel chapter 12. And I'm going to throw the tribulation saints in with the Old Testament saints, as well as those who were believers during Christ's earthly ministry, because they were still all connected to Judaism and to the Jewish and, or Israel's program. And they were not part of what I call the body of Christ. But look how Daniel covers it. And let's just start with verse 1. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Now remember, this is Old Testament, and he's talking about resurrection just like Paul does. Verse 1, At that time shall Michael stand up the great prince who stands for the children of thy people. Now Daniel was a Jew, so the thy people would be Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. That's the foretelling of the tribulation that Israel's still going to have to go through. That time, time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation to that same time. And at, and at the time, that is, tribulation, tribulation, people be dirty, people shall deliver, everyone shall be unwritten, shall be unwritten in the book. Yes, in the book. Yes, they're going to be in the middle of Israel. No, they're saying, we not, we not. 
especially come as with the seed of the sevens. First, est, and with them, and with them, sleep us in the deer, shallow, pure, shallow, some dirsting, and stitch some day, and last him, everything, 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 they almost were my ambition. I told him, if it would be general score, Jerez, right? That thought, that possu, possu, and be erected as to be erected as to this time. But you come pissing, come pissing now at length, the revision, and all that they're going to, all that they're going to be, going to be. Only only the believing Jews are going to be resurrected. And a thousand years, and a thousand years later, then the lost Jews are going to be resurrected for the great white throne, just like we see the comparison with John chapter 5. All right. Verse 2. Or verse 3, I'm sorry. And they that be wise. In other words, they have believed what God has instructed them to believe. Even in the Old Testament economy, it was based on their faith, remember. Those who are wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. In other words, God's going to always reward righteousness in the believer. All right, verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Now remember that. God is telling Daniel to just close the book, forget about it. So uh, close the book or seal the book even till the time of the end. Now, from Daniel's perspective, which is about 500 B.C., that's going to be 2,500 years that the book of Daniel is to be closed up and not considered all that much. All right, close the book. And then he says, even to the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall be increased, that is, at the time of the end. And then verse 5, And I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood two others, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? In other words, these prophecies written by Daniel. Verse 7, And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand, and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it should be, now here we come, the tribulation timing again, that everything is going to be put on hold for a time, times, and half a time. In other words, for three and a half years. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Now you say, well, I thought the tribulation was seven years. Well, it is. But the time of the midpoint is when the Antichrist will come in, remember, and defile the, the, the temple and will turn on the Jew. And so it's that last three and a half years that Daniel is foretelling. That horrible, horrible period of time when the earth is going to come under the wrath not only of God, but also of Satan himself. And so he is only including the last three and a half years, and then shall everything be finished. All right, now verse 8. <clears throat> but Daniel says, I heard, and I understood not. And I said, Oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Now, isn't it amazing that these Old Testament prophets got a glimpse of the things that were coming. Now, they didn't get the full picture, but Daniel got enough of a glimpse that I think it just scared him down to his shoelaces. What in the world is going to come on the earth, and especially upon my people Israel? 
And he says, what shall be the end of these things? Now, verse 9. And the Lord said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up until the end and sealed till the time of the end. Now, what's he saying? That these prophetic utterance of Daniel, no one was to understand until we'd get close to the end time. Now, I think I brought this out in one of our other programs. And you know, that was so true. There was absolutely nothing preached or taught concerning end time events until about the 1800s, the middle 1800s. And men of God all of a sudden began to put the prophetic scriptures together and they began to write concerning the nations of the world that would be coming to the top, such as Russia. Who would have ever dreamed Russia becoming a world power? They did by, by virtue of the scriptures. They began to talk about a returning Israel, the land of Israel once again becoming a viable nation. Who would have ever dreamed of such a thing with the Jews scattered all over the world? But they did because the Scriptures were beginning to be opened up by the Holy Spirit. And by the time you get to 1900, there was a whole raft of men that were beginning to put the end-time prophecies in a pretty good perspective. You'd be amazed at how close they were to what we've seen happen now in the last 10 or 20 years. All right, so the Lord told Daniel that his book would be closed up until it would approach the end time. Verse 10, Many shall be purified and made white and tried or tested, but the wicked shall do wickedly. In other words, just exactly we've seen. Sin is just going to get more evident with every passing day. And none of the wicked shall understand. Isn't it amazing? The unsaved world out there, they have no concept of how accurately this book is being fulfilled. And of course, this is my reason for believing it from cover to cover, is because every prophecy that I see fulfilled confirms that this is a supernatural book. I was thinking yet the other day, can you think of a single book of religion, of anything in the world, cults or religions or whatever you think, that can tell the future 2,500 years in advance? Not a one. Not a one. There is not a single word of prophecy that is actually being fulfilled in a single book of religion that you can find in the world, except this one. Now, I know there are some of these things that are hard to believe. I know that, and I take them by faith, but I still have to say, but Lord, it's hard to believe. But, you know, I came up with something the other night. I was talking about the rapture and the sudden taking away from all the believers, and, you know, that's hard for people to comprehend. How in the world is God going to do it? Now, I, I use this analogy, and I said, now, look, go out on a real clear, starry night. And just look at that mass of stars. And all we see is a little part of our own galaxy, the Milky Way. Just a part of it. With all of its billions upon billions of stars in just the Milky Way galaxy alone. Now they tell us that there are billions of galaxies. You know, I'm going to have to be proud. i got a little nine-year-old grandson, and he just wows me every once in a while. His daddy had just been showing him how many stars were up there, and they got in how He says, well, why don't you just put that on paper? See if you can write out a number big enough to get close to how many stars are out there. Now, the little rascal was only nine years old, but you know what he did? 
He put a one and he put zeros all the way down the length of a sheet of typewriter paper. And then on the bottom, and he says, and to the same power. <laughs> I said, Boy, that's way beyond me. I, I, I couldn't believe it. But see, he's close. Because you see, of the billions and billions of galaxies in which there are billions of stars. But now here's my point. Has a single one of them ever been out of control? Not a one. Who controls them? The same Lord Jesus that's one day going to take us off the earth. Now, if he can control trillions and trillions of stars, then he's not going to have any trouble at all calling a few million people off the planet. Now, just think about that. But he is in total control. Well, I guess my time is just about run out. But anyhow, staying back in Daniel 12. Now then, come down to verse 11. Got one minute, and I think we can do it. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination to make a deficit to set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. And that's thirty days more than the tribulation is going to run. That's twelve sixty. But then you get into verse 12. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and thirty-five days, which is an extra seventy-five days after the second coming. And then verse 13 says it so plainly. And remember what I'm stressing. Everybody in their own order. Thank you for joining us again for Through the Bible with Les Feldick. If you'd like to order audio tapes, videos, or any of our printed material, you may do so by writing Les Feldick Ministries, Route 1, Box 760, Kenta, Oklahoma, 74552. That's Les Feldick Ministries, Route 1, Box 760, Kenta, Oklahoma, 74552. Or you can call us toll-free if you'd like at one 800 369-7856 That's 1-800-369-7856 Remember, this is a faith ministry and your participation with us is greatly appreciated. Again, our address is Les Feldick Ministries, Route 1, Box 760, Kenta, Oklahoma, 74552 And our phone is 1-800-369-7856 Thanks again for listening and please join us next time for Through the Bible with Les Feldick. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.